0: You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. Welcome, welcome, everyone. We're coming on in, grabbing our seats again. What an awesome morning so far already. You know, we worship to remind ourselves. Uh, sometimes I sing. The same songs, and I can do it mindlessly. Anybody else there? I mean, some of your favorite music, right? You put it on in your car over and over and over, and it just kind of comes out, but you're not really thinking about it. Then there's moments, and really worship is supposed to capture our, our mind to remind us what we're talking about. And I, you know, sometimes for me, I stand there, and uh, I can do it pretty mindlessly because I'm here every Sunday, And actually, most of the time, I'm just thinking about all the things that might not be going quite right. Uh, I'm thinking about sound. I'm thinking about the lights. I'm thinking about how many people might be standing behind me, how many people are. And I get caught up in this whole distraction place. But the reality is worship is supposed to actually center us. And so I hope that kind of happened for you this morning, that maybe there was a reminder in some of those lyrics as we sang them out of just really what did Jesus do and what does he want to do? And so, you know, what an awesome morning so far. This is my favorite week. If you were here last uh, last Sunday, I was really excited because I just love this week. I love going through the whole storyline and timeline of what did Jesus do in this week. And, of course, culminating with, you know, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, Jesus back from the dead. I read those scriptures at the beginning of the service. So, you know, it's an exciting week for me. Just because of what it actually means You know, I think sometimes in church we just get stuck on the what happened And we don't always talk about the why it happened And I want to say this right from the get-go I said this at our Good Friday service But the why of all of this is really one reason And I can sum it up in one word for you today Why did Jesus die on the cross? Why did he... Raised from the dead. Why did he come at all as a baby and live 33 and a half years here? Why? And this is the one word that explains it. You. You. He was thinking about you. I I can't really wrap my mind around this. But the scriptures literally teach us and tell us that it says before the beginning of time that he knew us that he was thinking about us even 2,000 years ago as he hung on the cross and was raised from the dead in that moment in the garden and all these things, that he was actually somehow thinking of all of us that are sitting here today in Messina, New York in 2023. And for me, the realization that there's a God who created everything we know and understand, the air we breathe, the nature we enjoy, the lives we live, and he's not too busy to notice me, that changed things in my mind. And so today, you know, a lot of times, you know, I would speak a message about Resurrection Sunday, about what happened, you know, him coming out of the tomb, all these things that really took place in the scripture. But I want to tell you a different resurrection story today. Is that okay? I want to tell you my resurrection story. I want to tell you why I'm standing here today. You know, I think it's easy for people to meet me, and they see me now as a pastor, and it's like, well, you know, I don't know, maybe I was just always born this way. (laughs) I was not. I was just, I am just a normal person who has had all sorts of problems in my life, and the reason I'm here today is because I actually experienced what Jesus did on the cross and in the grave. I came back to life. When I was on the verge of death, Jesus saved my life. And it's not just some ethereal idea. I've had so many conversations over the years with people who want to debate the, the, you know, the reality of did Jesus really come back from the dead? Or the you know, proof of it all? Or even the historical references of all these things? At the end of the day, I don't care about any of that. You could try to prove everything wrong to me. You could prove that the Bible was just written by men, which it was. You could prove all sorts of things to me, but at the end of the day, I've had an experience with the creator of this universe. And and I can't change that. I literally, I can't even reason away my own experience if I wanted to live a different life. It was too obvious to me. It was too real for me. It's more real than even the hard stuff of my life. And so every time I've gone through hard things, I think back to the reality of what Jesus has done, and that's why I stand here today. And I I thought about this morning and just what message would I want to speak. There's a a million things I could say. And at the end of the day, I just thought, I want to share why I'm alive. Is that okay? I want to start with a little story out of John 8, though. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you're new with us this morning, we're so glad you're here. I always like to say this, but we have Bibles on racks right in the back on those bookshelves. And uh, they're free, so you can take one on your way home if you'd like it. Or you could grab one right now if you want to use a paper Bible. Um, You can use your phone. I just try to pretend you're not, you know, tuning me out when you're looking at your phone. Um, So John 8 is where I want to start with a a story here. And uh, this story is about a woman who's caught in adultery. And this woman who's caught in adultery, according to the Jewish law at that time, she was to be stoned to death for this. And there's this interaction that takes place with Jesus, and so I want to read it. Now they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Some of us may have heard this story before. Verse 9, it says, When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman where are your accusers didn't even one of them condemn you no lord she said and Jesus said neither do I go and sin no more so you have this woman who's being humiliated in front of an entire crowd and and really She's not even the purpose of the situation. The, the Pharisees and the religious leaders were dragging her in front of the crowd, not really because they were mad at her, because they were just trying to trap Jesus. You see, Jesus had gotten on the bad side of religious people. And they were trying to find ways to kind of trap him where they could arrest him and rightfully do these things that they were planning to do to him. And so they were just using her. She was really not even the point. But yet here she is humiliated in front of this crowd. And Jesus even permits their law thing. And he says, okay, but the first one, or let the one who has no sin cast the first stone. And it really shuts the whole crowd up. We see this. It says the oldest begin to slip away. And until there was no one left but Jesus. And he says, neither do I go and sin no more. This whole condemnation thing. The next scripture is what I really want to point out. Sometimes if you're reading in your Bible right now, there would be a break. Because a lot of times uh, in the Bible, they're trying to kind of sectionalize things so that we look at it. Now, I don't think this next scripture is separate from what just happened. So let's read this next scripture in verse 12. It says this, Jesus spoke to the people once more. So here, this... this Thing just took place, right? This woman's dragged out. He kind of, uh, you know, gets the religious leaders to realize they're lo- wrong. They leave because they, they realize they can't trap Jesus. And this woman is not condemned and she goes away, right? She's, he's spoken this life to her. But then he decides this is a moment I need to say something else to this crowd. And this is what he says Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So I grew up in church, this church, my whole life since I was born. My parents are sitting right here in the second row. Since I was born, I've been coming to this church. And I grew up knowing That God was real and learning all the things that anybody would learn in a church Sunday school and church experiences. And I would say that I even had real experiences with Jesus. I knew for myself, it wasn't just this kind of reality of like, well, my parents make me go to church and I'm supposed to believe in this God and this Jesus guy. And it wasn't like that. I really knew Jesus was real. And I had the experiences with him. But when I got to about the age of 14, I had a few things happen in my life, a couple tragedies that started to make me think differently, and some of you that were around in those years would remember them. I've shared lots of this story in the past before, but really it began when um, a good friend of ours, Jake Hazelton, was shot, and Joe's here, his identical twin brother. Jake was shot and killed on a Thanksgiving morning when I was 14 years old, and and uh, just down the road from our house, and actually at the time, he was living in our house, going to college, riding to college with my brother. And so he was very close to us. And I remember when that tragedy happened, this thing happened that I really couldn't wrap my mind around. This lie kind of got into my head that God isn't good. And I believed it. Because it didn't make sense to me. And maybe you've experienced this. In fact, I would just say you have. Every one of us, every human in life has experienced something unexplainable, something that we can't wrap our minds around. And if I get any question more than every other question in the world is this, why does God let bad things happen to good people? And I'll tell you, I'm going to explain a little bit and I'll give you some answer to that today. It's not one you'll like, but I'll give you some answer. And I struggled with that very question. I don't understand. Here's this good person, this friend of mine who gets killed needlessly. It doesn't make any sense. How can God be good? And I struggled with that for quite a while. And about six months after Jake died, there was another tragedy, a car accident with another friend of ours, a very close friend that was in our youth group growing up and I couldn't figure it out. I remember actually when my friend, I was in high school and my friend came walking down the hallway and he just said, hey, did you hear Jen just got killed in a car accident? And I was like, actually I was like, no, you're wrong. Because I still couldn't wrap my mind around the reality that the world is a broken, broken place. And that if I knew God, somehow everything was just going to go right for me. (laughs) If I trusted in Jesus that everything was going to be easy, this was kind of the Christianity that I had gathered from everything I learned. If I give my life to Jesus and I know God, who is the creator of all things, then everything's going to go well. Well, I hate to break it to you today that's just not true. In fact, the Bible tells us that. Jesus tells us that as he's about to leave. He says, you will have many trials and tribulations in this world, but take heart, for I have overcome it. There's a struggle that we have in Christianity or even as humans where we we expect this kind of bubble over our lives if we know Jesus. And honestly, even if we don't know Jesus, we kind of expect it, right? Because I'm a fairly good person. This is why people struggle with even understanding how could God be good or how could I give my life to this God when so many hard things have happened in my life or in the lives around me or in my family around me. And I struggle with that. I remember I made a decision. It was after the funeral of this girl. I was at a pizza hut with my wife. She wasn't obviously my wife at the time. We were just friends. And a couple others, and I was sitting. This is the old pizza hut. If anybody remember the old pizza hut? Come on. They had a salad bar. I loved that salad bar, even though it was not good. And I was sitting there in this booth with my friends. I'm now 15 and a half years old. And I'm I, i I'm just thinking, I'm probably zoned out. And I remember just deciding in that moment, nope, I'm not doing this. If this is what following God gets you, why? Like, why would I want to... Do all these rules and regulations and all these things that are hard and disciplined in my life, if if it doesn't get me what I want, which is an easy life. Why would I do this? If God's not good, why would I follow him? And I made a decision. I actually stood up and I said to my friends, I'm not doing this. And I left. I literally just left. And in that moment I had made this decision. I'm not following God anymore. I don't want anything to do with him. I didn't stop believing he was real. Like some people, they might have tough experiences and they just decide to go towards an atheism side. I didn't think that. I just thought God was terrible. I just didn't like him. I didn't want to follow him. And so I started a different life. I started down this road where I just wanted to fill my life with all the things that I thought would be good. And the first one for me was reputation. Anybody ever lived there? just wanted everyone to like me. Mostly, I just wanted everyone to think I was funny. <laughs> I still struggle with that. And so, I was in high school, and I was no longer the Jesus freak kid, and so now I could just be fun and go to parties and just build my reputation, and I lived literally for what everyone thought of me, and I was just filling my life with that. But what I didn't understand was this as I was slowly running away from the only source of light in my life. You see, Jesus says this, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Listen to that. If you follow me. And so what would happen for me in my life is I would find myself after a few years in a really, really dark place. And I, and I would even have moments of clarity in that dark place where I would ask myself, how did I get here? And that dark place for me looked pretty rough. I was in college at that point now, and, and I was just running from all the things that, that would actually give me any real life. I would drink the minute I woke up in the morning. I couldn't even get throughout the day without drinking. I could never sleep without being completely drunk. I talk to people now and they tell me stories of, of maybe struggling with alcohol and they're like, yeah, I, I blacked out once. I'm like, I blacked out every night. I'm sure my brain doesn't work like it's supposed to because of those days. I was lost and I was in this dark place and, and the only way for me to avoid the recognition of the darkness was to numb it. And so I did everything I could in my life to numb it. And I look at stories like this with this woman who's caught in adultery, and and there's some storyline back to her and her life of most likely being a prostitute and those kinds of things. And I look at even people in those situations, and I think, those are not signs of someone who is bad. They're signs of someone who's lost in darkness. And we look for the light in every place except where the light is. You know, I was reading in Genesis 1... This morning, I want to read a scripture there. It's just the very first scripture in the Bible. Those are my notes. They're not important. Genesis 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless, empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. So look at this situation. You've got the earth. You've got creation. But it says it was formless and empty, and darkness covered it. I'll tell you what, when I got to my lowest place in life, that's what I felt like. I felt like I was formless, like I was empty, like I was just a void. And then it says this, and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the Then it says, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. you know why I think bad things happen to good people? Because wherever the light isn't, there's darkness. You see, darkness isn't a thing itself. It's just the absence of light. And so when you take light off, if we just close the curtains right now and shut all the lights off, guess what would happen? It would get dark. Not because darkness came in, but because light went out. And what happens When we aren't following Jesus, when we don't know the creator of this universe, when we're not following his ways, then we actually stray away from his light in our life. And the further we get from him, the closer we are to a place absent of light. And then we get to that place, just like I was in my life, where I'm drinking all the time, and I'm medicating my life, and I'm trying to fill my life with everything that was broken, and I'm wondering, why do I feel this way? Why? Because I've decided to live in a dark place. Now, there's reasons I was deciding that. I was confused and I was hurt and I was wounded and I was disillusioned. But I had decided to leave this place of light and go to a place of darkness. And then I wondered why things felt dark. (laughs) Anywhere there's not light, there will be darkness. And we see Jesus use this metaphor and this analogy saying he's the light of the world. John 12, I want to turn there. We read some of these scriptures just last week when we were speaking about Jesus coming into Jerusalem. I want to read verses 35 and 36. Jesus says this, My light will shine for you just a little longer. So he's talking to his disciples. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. You know, sometimes we get really good at walking in darkness, don't we? I don't know about you. Do you wake up in the night and have to go to the bathroom ever? I don't know why. I I tell myself every night, don't drink that giant glass of water before you go to bed. But I wake up and guess what I don't have to do? I don't need to turn the lights on. I know exactly where everything is in my bedroom. I know where the walls are. I know where the door handle is. I know right where the toilet is. Once in a while I've almost missed. And I know I don't even need to turn the light because I've gotten used to walking in the exact same place in the exact same pattern, and I don't need the light. And sometimes we do this in our lives. And I did this in my life back then. I decided I didn't want to follow the light, but I now knew I was in a dark place, so I created a routine that I didn't need to see in. Wake up, drink. Go to class. Make some funny jokes. Get people to laugh. You feel better when that happens. Hang out at night, have a party, get drunk, fall asleep. And I created this routine where I could live in the darkness because I didn't actually have to see where I was going. But the problem with darkness is this eventually an obstacle puts itself in the way. You see, sometimes I get undressed and I just leave my clothes on the floor. I know that's a bad thing. My wife tells me all the time, just put them away. And then I forgot that I put them there when I'm getting out of bed at night. And I trip. And then I hit the wall. And then I wake Jessica up. (laughs) Sometimes an obstacle places itself. Sometimes I do this in my garage. It's really stupid. Because if you were to go in my garage right now, it wouldn't look organized. It's organized to me. But there the light switches are in bad places because of the way the garage was built. It's all the way in the middle of the thing. And, and at night, I'll know I need a tool because I'm fixing this on the house. And I don't know why. I don't even want to go find the light switch. I just try to go to my bag of tools, but I have left so much crap on the floor. I trip, I hit my shins, I get upset. And it's because I'm trying to create this life where I can just live in the darkness. We do this in our real lives. And we convince ourselves we don't need light. We just go on and on with a routine. You see, my prayer actually is that Jesus interrupts our routine so we can't live in that darkness anymore. That's what happened for me. I had created this routine, this life where everything was filling me in certain ways, but it started to not work. And actually what happened for me was I came home on vacation from college. One week it was uh you know, Christmas break. I came home and and my good friend Joe Hazelton, he bugged me to come see him. His birthday's on January 31, which is or uh December 31, which is, you know, New Year's Eve, and that was Jake's birthday, and the truth was, I didn't want to see Joe. Joe was Jake's identical brother, and I I didn't want to see someone who looked like the person that died, even though I love you, Joe. (laughs) And eventually, he annoyed me enough to come see him here at church, which I really didn't want to come. And I came to church because we used to have New Year's Eve services, and we were in the lobby, and there was punch and stuff and i kind of hung out for a little while i talked to joe for a little while and and the unfortunate thing was that became an obstacle what it did was it broke my routine of living in darkness i couldn't ignore what i had been trying to ignore and so i remember i left that night i didn't even stay for the service i left and i did what everyone does on new year's eve that doesn't know jesus i went to a party i was in my friend's basement you know i'm 19 years old i'm in my friend's basement And I'm drinking and I'm lost and I know it. And and I'm trying to do all the things that have worked before. I'm trying to find this place in the darkness where I don't feel dead, even though I kind of know I am. And I'm lost in this place, but yet this obstacle presented itself, this realization of the darkness I was living in presented itself, and I couldn't ignore it anymore. I was, I was drunk. In fact, for me, I couldn't, I, I'll tell you what I remember last. I was sitting on a couch in this person's basement, and a friend came up to me because they obviously knew something was wrong. I was acting weird. I was not being the funny guy like I normally am. And this girl, this poor girl, she says, Greg, are you okay? Okay. And I lost my mind. I literally freaked out. Am I okay? I stood on the back of this guy's couch in a basement, screaming at everyone that none of this works. That's what I remember saying. None of this works. It doesn't work. And I don't remember anything after that. (laughs) But I woke up the next morning at a friend's house, different house. I woke up. And I'll tell you, this is the moment that I felt empty and formless without any light left. And I realized that I had done everything I knew how to do to feel alive, but I didn't feel alive. And I got up, and I wandered actually the streets trying to find my truck because I didn't even know where I parked in, and then I drove home. And I drove home, and I remember pulling into my parents' driveway thinking, if my mom sees me, she's going to know something's wrong. I felt like there was nothing left to me as a human, like I was just this empty void. And I remember I scooted into my house and I ran up to my bedroom and I laid on my bed for hours and hours asking myself this one question, what else can I try? But you see, eventually the darkness in our lives, if we live there long enough, nothing that's alive grows. You know how this works. Life exists because light exists. In all the biological sense of science, you can look into it. There is no life without sources of light. Light produces the, the systems that we understand and plants and how they have photosynthesis and the plants provide the food for animals that eat it and the fish that eat it. If you don't have light, there isn't life available. And sometimes we try to live in darkness so long and then wonder why we wither and die, but the reality is you can't live there forever. You can, you can survive for a while in a dark place. And that's what I had been doing, just surviving for a while. But I'd come to the end of myself. And I'm a fairly extreme person, and it didn't take me very long to just decide I I don't want to live then. See, it's funny. Even in the, the darkest place of my life, I just decided... Complete darkness was better than trying to find the light. It never even crossed my mind to think about God again. It really didn't, and I decided I made up a plan to kill myself. I got dressed and I got ready to carry it out, and I went downstairs. And I got to my the doorknob of my my house, about ready to leave to literally do this. And I had this stupid thought, and this is now. Let me just tell you, this is two thousand and three, okay? And so in 2003, if you were cool, we didn't have cell phones that texted yet. But you had AOL Instant Messenger. Anybody remember? Come on. Where's the late 30-somethings? Come on. So I thought to myself, I better check my away messages, which was just your friends would be on the Internet and they'd leave you maybe a message while you were away. And I don't know why I thought that. Honestly, I think I was probably grasping at straws thinking maybe someone will say something nice. Someone will encourage me. Maybe everyone saw me lose my mind last night and they'll like be worried about me. And that'll just do something to to convince me not to kill myself. And I go in there and guess what I find? Not a single message from anyone I knew. Nobody. But I had one message. But it was from someone I didn't know, and so you had to accept it. If you, knew, if you remember how that worked, it would give you the username, and then it would say, do you accept this message? And the username of the person was this, alone but not forsaken has messaged you. Just that title was confusing to me. And I hit accept, and this is what it said. Run, run, run away from me and you'll end up running right into me, Jesus. That's what it said. Run, run, run away from me, and you'll end up running right into me, dash Jesus. And in that moment, I knew I had been running so hard from God. I was angry with him. I was disillusioned by him. I I didn't want to follow that light anymore. I would rather live in a darkness, in a place where I would literally give my life to total darkness than to go that way. But somehow in that moment, He presents himself again to me. And my prayer is that that is the story of every one of our lives. Now, for me, it was this dramatic moment. I literally was on the verge of suicide, and then I get a message from Jesus. Now, it wasn't his actual AOL instant messenger handle, just so you know. But it was somebody And actually, it took me a while to figure out who that somebody was. It was someone who I had sat with in that pizza hut four years prior and told him I was not interested in God anymore. It was Jessica, my wife. Again, not my wife at the time. And I look back on these storylines, and I can't even understand how God wove it together. But what I know is this, that Jesus is literally desperately reaching for every human heart on this planet. John 12, one of the scriptures I love, it says this in verse 32. When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. I'm telling you right now, he's drawing you. He's drawing your heart. Maybe you're really good at living in darkness. Maybe you are an expert. Better than me. I only lasted about four years. Maybe you've been doing it for 40 or 10 or your entire life, maybe you even haven't seen a place where the light exists, but you've just learned to survive. I'm telling you, that's not the life Jesus has for you. It says there's a light that leads to life. You know, life isn't just waking up, breathing, putting on your clothes, going to work, coming home, watching Netflix, and doing it over again. It's lame. That's not the life Jesus has for us. There's more to this thing that we have here on this planet. He has plans and purposes. There's life and joy inside us. That's why if you come in the room today and you see people lifting their hands and some dancing up front, it's because we've actually experienced a life that creates joy in us, not just the mundane survival that so many of us know. This is Jesus' heart for the world. This is what, he was really doing on Sunday morning, I was pointing the wrong side, what he was really doing on Sunday morning coming out of that tomb. He wanted to prove to every one of us that no matter how dead you are, no matter how far you've gone, you can come back out of that grave. Some of us literally may be thinking the same thing I was thinking, that life would be better if you weren't living it at all. I'm telling you, that's just not true. Some of us maybe have just learned to live in the grave, but we're not quite actually dead. But who wants to live in a grave? My heart for you this morning would say, hear Jesus' words, that he has light that leads to life. Isaiah 42, 16 It says this, this is God speaking through Isaiah, I will lead the blind in a way they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light. Listen, some of us think that we're walking in a way, but the truth is we're actually blind. You know, this week I got new glasses. And uh, I've been wearing glasses since I was 17 years old. But um, somewhere in there I got really cheap and I just stopped going to the doctor to check my eyesight. And so I got a new prescription recently because I thought maybe I should do that. It's been a long time. And I got my new glasses and when I put them on, I literally was in shock. For six days I kept tripping over the ground because it felt like it was right in front of my face. No joke. I've only had these for about ten days now. And I Would put my old glasses back on, and then I'd put these on, and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I can see. But I didn't know I couldn't see. You see, I was wearing glasses, and I thought I could see fine. But then I put on glasses that actually made me see, and I realized how blind I had been. Now, when I take these off, I feel way worse. But some of us, we get so used to the world in a dimly lit way. Maybe we're, maybe we're not completely gone from Jesus. Maybe he's there in a the distance, and so there's this kind of lit, dimly lit shadow life we're living. But the reality is, what is it like when we actually put on the right glasses or when we get close to that light? Sometimes for me, I, I'm kind of lazy and I'm working and I'll get doing a job and it's in a dark place and I don't want to take the time to get up, go to the garage and get my big spotlight. And so I get frustrated trying to work in the dark, but then I finally go, I need the light. And when I put the light on that situation, it changes everything. It's the same for our lives. And Jesus is pleading with every one of us, there's no reason to live blindly. There's no reason to keep working in the dark. I have light for you. Now, some of us, we immediately think to ourselves, well, I'm disqualified. I've done this. I've done this. I've made this choice. I've made this choice. Listen, so have all of us. Every one of us has tried to run from Jesus. We've all tried to get away from that uncomfortable life that does call us to transformation. Because he accepts us just how we are, but he also tells the woman, stop sinning. Stop missing the mark. Stop not living in the design that God created you to live because it's killing you and there's no reason to live there anymore. I have a different life for you. This is God's heart for us. Psalms 27, it says, The Lord is my light and salvation, so why should I be afraid? You know, I think the longer I've served Jesus, even since that day, it's been 20 years this year, that day of deciding I was going to follow Jesus again, I'll just tell you, I've been disillusioned over and over and over since that moment. And I realize every time I get disillusioned with God and then somehow it gets illuminated differently to me, I begin to realize that the reason that that's true is because I'm a little afraid of who God is. I kind of try to hold him at a distance, a safe distance. It's like, all right, Jesus, that sounds nice. I like light and life. You know, I don't want to be suicidal, so I'll come close. But the truth is I'm still staying this safe distance away from him. And over and over, Jesus comes close, and he pushes my hand down, and he makes me draw closer. And the closer that I've gotten to Jesus, the more I realize I'm just kind of afraid of what it means. And I read this scripture in Psalm and I'm reminded, he says he's my light and salvation. Why should I be afraid? There's no reason for me to be afraid of the creator of this universe. Now sometimes Christianity and religion has taught us that God is just some guy up there with a big stick ready to hit us over the head when we're wrong. But I tell you, that's not what he looks like. He's a father. In the story of the prodigal son who's literally looking for his son from a long ways off. And the minute he even sees his son in the distance, he doesn't wait for him to even come all the way to the house. He runs to his son and he throws his robe around him and he gives him his inheritance over again. And he immediately accepts him back into his home. That is the picture of our father in heaven. And that's what he wants for every one of us. This message is not just for people who don't know Jesus. It's for those of us who are still living maybe only half in the light. Or we're in that dimly lit place. Or maybe we've just still held God at this arm's distance where he wants us to draw closer. He's drawing everyone to himself. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, For you are a chosen people. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Listen, he wants to draw you out of darkness today. I don't care if you've known Jesus most of your life or if you're just hearing about him for the first time this morning, that makes any sense to you. He wants to draw you out of darkness even more. You know, salvation isn't just this one-time moment thing. The truth is, light just can get brighter. We're in a room right now, and the lights are literally on dimmers. We can crank them all the way up, and it gets brighter in here. We could pull down all the curtains, and it gets brighter in here. Yes, were we in some light, but there's still more light. And I think Jesus is tugging on our hearts to say, I want to draw you even closer this morning. I wanna draw you out of darkness into the light. Listen, maybe you're in this room or you're watching online and religion has hurt you and even Christianity and Christians have hurt you. I will say, I'm sorry for that, but it's not Jesus. That's just our flawed brokenness. It's our humanity of living separate from God or far from God or in this dark place, but the truth is we're all the same. All of us need to be drawn into his presence, drawn into his light. Why don't we stand this morning? I want to pray right now, and this is what I'd like to do. we got just a few more minutes, but I want to give a, a moment for response because I think that some of us want to step out of darkness this morning. Whatever level that means for you. Maybe you you were like me running really hard away, and you decide today I, I don't want to keep running. Maybe, maybe you're like me in my life right now, where I'm close to God and I'm living in the light. but there's a place in my life that I know I've I've kind of held separate from Him and I want to get closer anyway. I want God to shine on that dark place in my life that maybe I've just kept a shadow over because I've been afraid. But I think God wants to draw our hearts. He wants to draw us out of darkness. This is what we're going to do. The team's going to play a worship song, and I'm going to pray. And while they play this song, this is what I would encourage you. If that's you, do something to leave the darkness. For some of you, if you're brave enough, I would say come forward. Come forward. There's nothing special about the front of the church or the altar or whatever you want to call it. But I think sometimes the symbolic act of saying, I'm going to leave the place where I'm at to go to the place God has for me does something in us. For some of you, it might just be whispering a prayer out loud right now. For others, it might be lifting our hands. But I would say while we worship to this song, do something to step out of the dark place that God has and into the light that God has for you. Can we do that together? All right, let me pray for you. God, we thank you that you're drawing our hearts. God, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you that what you did in that grave on a Sunday morning by defeating death, by coming out of the grave, means it's available for every one of us. God, no matter who we are or what we've done, maybe no matter how many times we've tried to walk out of the grave and found ourselves back in there. That this is the time where it sticks, God. This is the moment where light really becomes true in our life. So God, I ask again, just draw our hearts as we worship. In Jesus' name, let's worship together. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.